Welcome to church, everybody. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, my name is Daryl Temple. Uh, my wife is somewhere around here. I think she was uh, balancing or bouncing uh, baby Wesley, uh, but she's the black-haired, uh, brown-eyed beauty that walks around this place. And uh, I did good in choosing her. You know, it's one of the smarter things I did in life, um, you know, making her my wife. It was hard, but I did it. Fellas, persevere. If you're single, it's worth the fight. That's a good opportunity for you to laugh. Okay. We're off to a great start. Anyways, um, how's everybody doing? Good, good. Worship team, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. It's funny. Last Sunday, this place was packed, and we put out some extra chairs, and um, we were baptizing people. It was just a fun time. And, you know, interesting thing in Cambridge, you can have a packed service one Sunday and kind of a a scaled-down, kind of half-attended service the following. It's interesting. And, um, but I'm just totally impressed that the worship team held to it. Their eyes weren't upon who were in the seats. Their eyes were upon Jesus and lifting up his name. And the congregation, those who entered into that moment, thank you. Hey, listen, you know, actually dancing is a biblical thing. Like, we're not trying to hype anything up when we call people up front to bust a move. Okay? Like, it's a very biblical thing. Like, we were thinking about just how praising is very much a part of the way that we express. Uh, dancing, excuse me, is a very much of the way that we express our gratitude, our praise to God. And so we're not just trying to drum up hype for the sake of doing it. Like we, we, we believe that this is a part of how we worship God, how we express ourselves and our gratitude to God. Amen, anybody? So amen. If you have a hard time, you know, cutting up some rug, like get over yourself. It's okay. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching you. Hopefully all our eyes are on Jesus anyways as we do it. So as we try to get more into kind of getting out of ourselves and let that part of our flesh die, if an invite comes and, and there's an opportunity to cut up some parquet, I don't even know what type of floor this is, uh, but if there's an opportunity, man, take advantage of it. Brandon will always smack the drums hard and loud and fast, so there'll be no problem. We'll be good. Uh, anyways, it's good to see some smiling faces. Uh, I went uh, for the last couple of days down to the Inside Out Soul Festival. Anybody got a chance to... Uh, be a part of that festival. Okay, one guy, awesome. They're doing great over there. Um, but anyways, uh, fun time, fun in the sun, got some good time with my family, uh, and um, really prayed throughout the week of what to kind of address our community in as we're kind of transitioning out of a series that we were in um, to just another talking point. And today, I am glad to announce that I'm gonna be talking about or having with our communion, uh, community a new conversation. And the question that I wanna ask is this. Can God be trusted? Can he be trusted? Some of you are automatically like, yes. And others are like, "Eh, I'm not going to answer out loud. You really don't want to know my thoughts when it comes to that. Uh, My hope uh, for today is that by the end of this sermon, that I can convince you that uh, um, the truth is God can be very much trusted. Uh, in all things. But I get it. I get the question. I, I sometimes in my heart and in my head ask the question because God is a bit of a mystery. Everything that's revealed about him in the scriptures um, and that we know, uh, there is still a slew of things that we don't know, right? He is very much mysterious. I mean, take, for example, the time of Jesus' return, Okay. I don't know, but that's a pretty epic like thing, right? To think about Jesus' return to earth to gather his people. But yet, all of us as people have no idea when that time is, when that day is, even the hour. And I don't know about you, but the way I kind of work is I gotta be in the know. 
Like if you're a friend of mine and you're somewhat unknown and I'm still trying to like figure out you and you're kind of disclosed, you're not fully known. Like it's hard for me to really engage in a, a, a meaningful relationship with you. But if you like open your heart and we're like connecting and I know you, you know me, man, it's no problem. But there's this side of God that, that as much as we know about him is as much as we don't know about him. Some of you are with me. Some of you are like, wait, 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 am I at church or is this a TED talk? No, you're at church and it's okay to be real. It's okay to be honest. And I'm coming before you and saying sometimes I know that in my heart, I have a hard time. I struggle with, I'm a bit reluctant to really fully trust God in the way that he's called me as a follower, as a son to, to trust him. And so that's what I want to address. You know, uh, a perfect example is Proverbs 3, 5, right? It says, trust in the Lord, what? With all your heart. Uh, I'll be honest. There's bits and pieces of this heart that do not fully trust God. That there, there's, there's some in here that yeah, has no problem trusting him, but there's other parts. Well, when it comes to certain things, I just can't fully find myself trusting him the way in which he has called me to. I love what Jessica Smith wrote in an article, I think it was in Christian Today, or Christianity Today, one of those articles, and um, she wrote this piece, and I think it kind of plainly uh, articulates what I'm trying to get across in this opening of my message. It says, trust in the Lord. You've probably heard this phrase countless times, especially when you're going through challenges and uncertainties, or facing monumentous situations or decisions in life. So why does the easiest thing to say seem like the most difficult thing to do? Is that not written well or is that not written well? You're so close to my heart. Thank you, Jessica. After all, it's not as though we don't have uh, chances to exercise trust in our day-to-day -day living. Whenever we travel from place to place uh, to one another, a, a, a different location, we are placing our trust in the person who is dr in the driver's seat. We trust that we will get to our destination safely, even though uh, they are imperfect beings and cannot be certain, and we cannot be certain, excuse me, about the journey and how it will end. Yet when it comes to Jesus, who is all perfect and knows all things, we struggle to let him take control of our lives. We encounter a rough patch or a fork in the road and there's a bit of a discrepancy that seems to emerge can I just submit this to you? Can I, I, I just put this out there? I think Jesus knows that we have trust issues. Okay, I don't think we're catching him by surprise, all right? I know we're charismatic church. We're full of faith, right? You know, look at me, faith muscles out. But I, I think that actually Jesus knows that inside, internally, we struggle in trusting him the way that we should. I mean, after all, we have passages like we see in Matthew chapter 6, right? Here's the kind of conversation that Jesus has with his disciples when he says a, a, a really staggering statement, if you think about it. He says, be worried about nothing and be anxious about nothing. I mean, come on. Is that even possible in today's world? I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a staggering statement when you actually sit back and process it and think about it. But he does. And his kind of logic of why we're not to worry and why we're not to be anxious is this. Is that if he takes care of the birds of the air and if he dresses the wild flowers of the field, if he takes care of them and provides for them, then surely he will provide for his most prized possession, his people. Now I'm thinking, 
You know, Jesus, when it comes down to asking us, your people, not to be worried about anything or be anxious for anything, that's the best example of the reasoning, the logic that you give us? <laughs> I mean, does anybody else, like, have a, like, certainly there's something better here for me to kind of latch on to this don't be worried and don't be anxious philosophy, Jesus. But he doesn't. His, his reasoning is clean. His reasoning is pure. It's simple. That if he does it for the creatures of the earth, if he does it for the flowers of the field, if he provides for them food and clothing, he dresses them with beauty, then surely he will dress us. Surely he will take care of us. So don't be worried. Don't be anxious. This is Jesus' logic. It's so countercultural, but yet it's so beautiful. But it does cause us to ask a couple questions. What do we as humans who are frail and weak in our thinking and weak in our faith do when it comes to kind of testing uh, the um, quality of any kind of product. And, and let's just call the product today um, Jesus' ability to take care of us, right? Jesus' ability to provide for us. Like, but what do we do, like when you're going to go buy that new phone, right? Let's say you've used um, Andrew, Android, not Andrew, sorry, Andrew, but Android for a long time, right? And you're getting ready, as you should, to switch over to the iPhone. Let me say that again. If you're using an Android, you need to switch to an iPhone. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do what you want. Yeah, okay, boo. I like it. All right. Good, 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 good. All right. But, 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 you're, but you're, you're kind of in that, that tension of like, oh, man, will the iPhone really be a good phone? Will it really produce? Will it be, you know, will it be everything? Blow my expectations kind of thing. What do we do? Well, we research first, don't we? We pull up Google. We'll just type in, you know, like, like what to expect, like, is this thing a really good product, you know? Like, should I buy it? Especially if the thing is expensive, right? If you're, you're, into, and you're gonna buy something that's super expensive, do you just go out there and buy it? No. You research, right? You research, you search it up, and then you read reviews. I mean, how many are like review readers? I mean, I totally am. If I'm gonna buy something new, I am looking at what Joe Schmo from Idaho is saying about the product. I'm not just blindly going into it. I'm not reviewing. Okay, so, so what is he? Okay, did did it work for him? Was it everything he expected? Did it? You know, what, what does he say? What does Joe say? <laughs> I just got that. Uh, so you review, you research, review, and then what do you do? You talk to people, right? Maybe your neighbor has that lawnmower. You know, you're like, hey, I'm thinking about getting that uh, 3.5 Honda you know, mulching uh, lawnmower. I see that you got one and I'm trying to keep up with the Kardashians. So, hey, what do you say? Like, has it worked for you? Because if it's worked for you, then it will work for me. I'm going to go out and buy that thing, right? You ask some questions. You, you get some, you, get some uh, you know, uh, questions answered from people who've had some experience with the same kind of product. Can I just submit to you that this is the same thing that we need to do when it comes to verifying that God's trustworthiness like, it is okay to, to go through a, 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 a sequence, a process, you know, and, and kind of research this. Like, what does the Bible say, right? I mean, if, if you're struggling with being able to trust God fully the way that uh, you should as God has called you to, then you probably should get into the text. You probably should get into the Word of God and see other people's struggles and see how God met those struggles with His power, right? So, so you got to research, use the Word. All right, um, you got to review. What are other people saying about God's trustworthiness, his faithfulness? What are 
the people's experiences? What are some commentaries? What are some scholars saying about it? You know, you just review, look into it, look into the details. Ask people, talk to people. Man, there are countless stories just in this room today of God's faithfulness and his trustworthiness. Man, you, you're struggling with trying to really understand and you've got questions. God, can you be really trusted with this or that or that relationship with this money, uh, with, with this marriage? Then, then, then maybe, maybe the, uh, the smart thing, the logical thing to do would be just to ask somebody. Ask, ask a married couple about their experiences and how God kind of, you know, uh, revealed and showed his power and his mercy and his faithfulness. You'd probably be surprised. And not that that's like, oh man, thank you, Daryl, for helping me understand something that I didn't get prior to the service. But man, it's a great reminder because sometimes if you're like me, it's easy to forget God's faithfulness. It really is. I mean, especially when you're in the thicket uh, you know, of a hard pressing circumstance. I don't know what thick it is. My mom used it a lot. I'm sorry. I'm using words I don't even really can't define, but, um, but, it, but, it, but it's, 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 it's easy for, for that to escape your mind. God's faithfulness to escape your mind when you're in the moment of some kind of uh, high pressured situation. And so it's always good to, to bring yourself back to the basics uh, research, right? What does God's word say? What, how did God come through the for the patriarchs like uh, Abraham and Moses and so on and so forth? And then review, what is, what is different scholarly people saying, pastors saying, people saying about God's trustworthiness and faithfulness? And then ask people around you. Ask people around you. So research, review, and talk to people. And I would imagine that if you do these things, because I've done them, that you will be taken by God's flawless track record of faithfulness. It, it, it's like undeniable. You, you just can't. God has such a proven record of faithfulness. He may not come through in the time that you want, but it's still the right time. You know, he, he may not come even through the way that you want, but it's still the way you should have been brought through. Irregardless of the timing and the way, God's record of faithfulness is flawless. <laughs> I love saying that. I love saying that because it is, it is so flawless. And when you have that understanding of God's rapport, man, something changes in your heart. There's a bounce in your step. There's a certain kind of, oh, just a, a fire in your gut, you know, I'm not talking about a physical fire, just an intensity there that just, oh, you get excited about Jesus rather than, than being this kind of pathetic, withdrawn person that has no feelings and no emotion to the God they serve. You, you want something to change about your worship. You want to be maybe free to come up as we were singing, to dance and to sing and express yourself from Jesus, man. Start to remember, recall, and get into your hearts and spirits. The faithfulness of God, something will change in your heart. It, 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 it just will. Mark my words, it will. So, God knows that we have trust issues. And to address those issues, we must research, review, and talk to people. And when we do, we will find a God who has a flawless track record. And we, I believe, in response to that record, will worship him the way in which he deserves. Now, uh, point number three, 
I'm not in any way surprised at the fact or the reason why so many of us struggle with trusting God the way that God intended us to trust him. I'm not surprised because trusting the Father, trusting God is tied. Now listen to me. I know there's a lot going on in this room, but just, just kind of zero in on what I'm going to say here. Uh, a trusting God is tied to so many good things that aid our flourishing. And, and so it, 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 it is no surprise to me why so many people, me included, struggle so deeply with trusting God the way God intended us to trust him. I mean, it's, it, it is tied, it is linked to so many good things that help our hearts and our lives flourish in God. And, and so it makes sense that the enemy would target that and would try to discredit that and would try to confuse that. Makes total sense to me. Let's, let's look at a couple passages just in case you think I'm making something up. Um, Isaiah 26, verse 3. This is the prophet Isaiah. One verse, he says this. You, meaning God, keep him or her. You can insert that there just for you ladies who may feel a little, you know, not included. Uh, but, 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 but him is just the people of God in perfect peace whose mind is stay on you, stayed on you excuse me, because he trusts you. Okay, so right there, it's very simple. Our peace is tied to trusting in God. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying not to make things up. Trying not to stretch this scripture verse beyond what it means in its context. But this is what I this is what I take. Is, is that our peace is directly connected to, in a very specific way, trusting in God. Makes sense to me when I think about it, right? I mean, if I'm worried about how that bill's going to be paid. If I'm worried about how that, you know, health crisis is going to be solved or, you know, whatever it is, you just fill in the blanks with whatever, you know, I, you know, in order to really gain the peace that I believe God has for me in that moment, I, I need to trust him. I, I need to trust that he's bigger than that health issue, that he's bigger than my finances, that he's, that he's just bigger and he's got the answer. And so if I want peace, if I want a peace that is everlasting, something that I'm sure of, that in the moment of crisis I have, I have peace, man, I need to trust in God. And so I think they're linked. I think they're, they're very tied together. Now, a couple more verses. I think I got four of them. There's many. I could go on probably the rest of the service and listing these things. But there's Psalms 112, verse 7. Um, he, meaning the, the believer, the follower, of Christ is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. Okay, so let's break this down. Uh, uh, our security, right? Uh, uh, our freedom from fear. Man, how many of us kind of, kind of just, uh, you know, we find ourselves constantly on the edge of just fearing things, fearing relationships, fearing outcomes, fearing uncertainty. I mean, right here, we just read that, that our security, our freedom from fear, is, is, it comes by trusting God. I'm trying here, guys. An amen would be great once or twice. Thank you, babe. Uh, that's all right. I'll work hard. I'll work hard. I realize the city I'm in. Okay, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Two more and then we'll kind of try to bring this to a close. 
The psalmist says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We read this earlier. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And here's the caveat. And he will make your path straight. So, man, I talk to countless people. I'm just not sure of the Lord's, like, plan and purpose and where he's leading me and like, you know, where he's taking me. I mean, count the majority of my meanings. I'm not trying to cast shame. I get it. I've been there. And sometimes I get there, you know, in my life. So I get it. But, but, but right here, we just read that our direction in life, our purpose, our, the aim, the things of which God has called us to do become straight and clear. What once was not known is now known. Makes sense to me. So our direction in life, our purpose, our path, if you're confused about any one of those things, man, just try leaning in. Try pressing into just trusting God with, with that part of your life. Be faithful with what you're doing today and, and just let God do the rest of where he's going to lead you and take you in your life. Amen? I mean, some of us are so concerned about the future, we forget about the present. God, I mean, why are we so wrapped up and caring about what five years down the road looks like when it comes to our calling. Why don't we just give ourselves to the here and now and be intentional in that? I, I, I'm preaching to somebody. Hopefully you're hearing. I don't care that this auditorium is halfway full. I'll still yell like a madman and need a culture change up in this church. Psalms 37 verse 5. Here's the psalmist again. Bright man. You should probably read a lot of his material. Um, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Isn't that interesting? A lot of us are just sitting on the sidelines waiting. Oh God, just do something. <laughs> you know, when are you going to take action, God? And God is saying in his wisdom, Hey, just trust in me. I'll act. You got, you got to do something to get something. I know we don't like that kind of talk of the church. Listen, we are not talking about salvation. That is a free gift that has been bought for you. You do nothing. We're talking about trusting God. And if you think that you can just sit casually on the sidelines and, and, and just have this attitude that God is going to just do what he wants with your life, you are sadly mistaken. And you will sit the majority of your life on the sidelines observing others who have chosen to put their trust in God and are moving forward into the things that God has called them to do. So the way I read this is commit your ways to the Lord, okay? It's, it's, it's weighty. I don't know about you. I struggle with that. There's some things I want left off the table. There's some ways that I have. There's some interests that I have. That I'm just like, God, you can have that. You can touch that. You can be involved with that. But this right here, this is mine. So if you can just stay out of this, we'll be good. That's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust him in what? He will act. So his participation in our lives in our affairs, his involvement with the details of our life become clear, they become present. He acts. So just four things, there's many, primarily in the Psalms and Proverbs, that, that we can see the interesting tie between our trusting in God and the benefits of what that kind of results in in our lives, if that makes sense. Hopefully I'm being as clear and plain as I can. Now, this is where I wanna land for the next hour and a half or so. Um, <laughs> I learned that from some pastor on YouTube. It was funny. <laughs> Point three. <laughs> um, so there, there's some additional things that we need to take away from these passages. Okay. I don't know if you noticed. 
Um, but the success of these passages actually impacting our lives in a meaningful way involves our minds and hearts being what? Set on the Lord. Okay. Now, now w- w- listen, let's not play, you know, charismatic calisthenics here. Okay. Um, we're not, we're not talking about anything too deep when we talk about setting our minds on the Lord. And listen, here, here, here's how we can frame this, okay? Here, here's how we can make this plain uh, for those who want to confuse it. Um, we all know what it's like for certain things to occupy the space up here, right? You know, you, you, right? I mean, you, you got a son who's rebellious, right? I'm not trying to vent here. I'm just, you know, I'm giving you an example, all right? But you, you know, that, that thing seems to occupy your brain. You're like, God, how can I get through to him? And that, that, that takes up space, right? That occupies the majority of your bandwidth, right? Uh, you know, it's a bill. Maybe it's a financial, some financial pressure. You, we all know what it's like to have our mind obsessing over something or someone. Hopefully it's someone. Hopefully there's someone special in your life. But... <laughs> um, and so when, when we think about that, right, when we, when we think about obsessing and our, our, our mind being occupied with, with thinking about something or someone, this is exactly what it means for our mind to be set on God. It's not pie in the sky Christianity. It's just like he's our obsession. He's what, our, what takes up space here, right? So, so instead of that rebellious son, I'm like, God, I need you, you know? You're my only hope. You're my only means of getting through and connecting with his heart. Or, or if it's that financial pressure, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. God becomes what occupies the space in our thinking, not that thing. And, and so when, when, when the prophet Isaiah or the psalmist say, you know, set your mind, that's a call to action. It means right in that moment, you have to choose, what am I going to obsess over? That bill, that child, that broken marriage, that person who's giving me a hard time and a nasty look in the back row? I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. There's nobody giving me a nasty look. Now what am I gonna obsess over in this moment? Am I gonna make God my obsession? Trusting that he has a proven track record, that he can come in at any point as I trust and lean into him and heal that marriage, provide those finances, touch that son's heart. I mean, this is what it means. And it's hard, it's hard work, but it's work that is worth it. So keep, you keep, God keeps in perfect peace those whose minds stayed on you. And then I love just as it kind of, I think, clearly and plainly, um, I think expresses what I'm trying to get across uh, this morning is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. We already read it, but now we're going to read it from the Amplified. I don't know if many of you think that's a heretical version of the Bible. I happen to like it. And I have the mic. And so... um, Heresy hunters, look out, right? I mean, get your phone out now. <laughs> um, in the Amplified, here it is. This is, I, I think, just a plain way of looking how what we do and how we partner with God in this matters, okay? Uh, it says, trust in the Lord. That means rely on him uh, confidently. 
with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight and understanding. In all your ways, not some of your ways, but all your ways. This is where it gets a little complicated for us humans, right? Because we're good with some, but we're not good with all. But God says, no, I'm not playing any games here. It's either, and trust me, I say this with the deepest concern, even for my own heart. God will not play games. He, he will have it all or he will take nothing. He, 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 I don't know any other way to articulate that. But trust me, he is not worried about what he does not have. Okay? God has it all according to scriptures. Now, he's not sweating over the parts of your heart that he doesn't have. As a matter of fact, he won't even attempt to gain it all if he doesn't have the parts that he wants. And so it, this, this, this Christian thing is about all or nothing. Narrow is the way, friend. Some of us think this, this road to, to God is wide open. Of course, there's mercy and grace. There, there's, God is patient and kind. But he knows the heart. He knows the sincerity and he knows the games that we play. And when it comes to those games, he's not sitting down and playing chess, friend. He's not. And he's, he's just not going to happen. He's bigger. He's greater than that. Do with that what you may. But he wants all our ways, all our hearts and all our ways to acknowledge him and recognize him. How many of us struggle with that? I struggle with that so much. And, and, and here's one I want to be full of grace. It, it is hard. It is not easy to really, as what we would call logically, say, okay, what does that look like? Like, I know people that will like labor over what they're going to eat for dinner and like be like, God, like, do you want me to have steak or, or a hamburger with cheese? I mean, is this the kind of thing that I'm talking about? No. Right? But those weighty matters of the soul, those things where we know we do not have the answer, we don't know what to do. Man, I think we need to take the recommendation of the prophet of old. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. Our eyes are on you. So the only thing I can liken it to is in terms of our part that we play in this is gardening. You know, I'm sure there's many other analogies, but uh, and illustrations, but gardening, you know, you, you just can't plant a seed or a starter plant and it's just say, okay, good luck, buddy. I hope you, hope you grow and, you know, don't know where you're going to get your water from, but, you know, got you completely in the shade, but, you know, I planted you. <laughs> I put you in the ground. Now produce and walk away. That's not the way it works. Why do we treat our faith like that? Like, like, you know, we we need to harvest what's been planted in our hearts, right? The the things that the Lord has put there, right? We don't just walk away and be like, oh, it's all up to you, God. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I'm just your sovereign. Go ahead, do what you want. It's not the way it works. Like, we got to care. We got to garden in those things. We got to cultivate those things that God has planted in our heart, right? And so this is what I mean. Like if we want our trust to to be deepened for the Lord, man, we got to do these things that the prophet and the psalmist laid out for us. Like we can't play any games here. Like like if there's something, an issue that you're wrestling with and you're not knowing what to do, man, I just want to, I always just submit to you today. Give those things over to God and see how it will get easier. See how you'll, you'll feel God's leadership 
God's peace, uh, and the other things we listed that I can't remember at this point, enter into the circumstance, you'll be amazed. And can I just say, life's a lot better that way. It's a lot better. So some takeaways, some action points. What are we to action on as believers? Well, we're to commit all our ways to the Lord. We're to keep our mind focused on the Lord, acknowledging him in all our ways. And this is where it gets tricky. We're not to lean on our own understanding. We're not to inject what we think is a good idea, what we think is a good path. We, we surrender those things. We live open-handedly and we trust God in the affairs of our lives, not leaning on what we think is good, but what he thinks is best. Let's pray. Father, I've done my best again to uh, submit and, and bring your word to these people. Now I'm trusting your spirit to do the rest. Um, God, I have limitations, but you don't. And so, Lord, I've thrown seed out here today, the seed of your word, the truth of your word. And now I'm asking Holy Spirit for you to cultivate it, to help us, Lord, uh, do our part. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm going to have Aham come up, and he's going to lead us in communion.